What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Season 2, Episode 4 of a Washed Up Sports Podcast. My name is Evan Klein, and I am glad to be joined by my co-host, Max Lindley. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another brand new episode. We dropped an emergency podcast for you last weekend. We're coming with a brand new one this week, and I just want to say, you're going to want to watch the whole thing. Yeah. Today, guys, this is some you know, an episode. We're proud of everything we put out, but this is a special one we have for you guys today. No the doubt. stories told later on, you're not going to want to miss. Can't really beat them. You, you can't. Uh, they're, they're untold stories that we haven't heard before. Certainly, you guys have not. Um, we're very excited for you guys to hear it. So, without further ado, let's hop right into it. We are an authentic sports commentary from the perspective of two washed up athletes. Today's episode is brought to you by The Daily Scoop. The Daily Scoop is the premier dog walking and pet sitting service of Bergen County located in Glenrock. The Daily Scoop provides service not only to Glenrock but to several surrounding towns as well. The Daily Scoop ensures that your pets are getting the best possible care while you can't be with them. Inquire for more at www.thedailyscoop.com. That's scoop with a K at www.thedailyscoop.com. Max the Instagram. Daily Scoop LLC. Scoop with a K. You know where to find them. Best dog watching, walking, sitting, other pets too. You already know the deal because we love them. We talk about them all the time. So go check them out. Deadly Scoop LLC with a K. So we're going to get right into it before we we get to the main event, which is our interview with Dean Darling. Yep. So without further ado, we're going to get into some basketball talk. Yes. So LaMelo is balling. A couple weeks ago, I picked him for Rookie of the Year, and since then, he's just picked it up. He's looked worlds better than he did. So, I've been so impressed with him. Evan, I, th- I think you have too. Definitely. Do you, do you have any stats? I know you said you, you had some stuff earlier. I do have some stats ready to go. So, a couple weeks ago, I would have argued Halliburton look, looking really good too, but obviously, 14 games in, too early to call. He was, though. Like, that was fair too right, right. at that time. Right, yeah. but even now, 14 games in, too early to call Rookie of the Year, but LaMelo, oh my... All right, guys. Just what these stats coming up that I'm about to give. The first word that the first words that come to my mind when I read these stats are unbelievably solid. That's what I would say. It's just unbelievably. It's just so. He's his stats right now are just like what you want from a guy like that. Hundred percent. Two words, but got it. Yeah, it is two words. <laughs> I had to poke at you. It's fair. It's fair. So, 11.8, we'll call it 12 points a game call he's 12. averaging. We'll call that 12. 6.8 total rebounds. Call it 7. We'll call it 7. So, 12, 7 assists. Well, 6.1, we'll call it 6. 6, yeah. So, fair. that's already solid. He's shooting 40% from the field and 33% from... From 3. From 3. Yeah. So... He's looking solid. He's looking like a seasoned NBA player. Already. Yeah, no, that's just like... You know, he's he's not going to – right now he's not going to be that guy who's going to go out and put 40 on someone's head. Yeah. Right now he's, he's played 14 games in the NBA, but he's his game is complete right now. He's rebounding the ball as a point guard. He's rebounding the ball. He's passing, and he's shooting pretty well. So – You really can't ask for more right. from a rookie. Right. Exactly. So um, that's where we're at with LaMelo. Definitely front runner for rookie of the year. He looks miles better than Lame- than Lonzo did his first season in the 100%. NBA, which is something to think about. It is. He's also got height on Lonzo. Yeah. So that helps with rebounding, like we were talking about. Yeah. Um, it's just crazy because we used to see Lamelo. He was like this little kid playing high school bas, playing freshman year like high school basketball, yeah. and to see him turn into to an NBA player, just at we've. The, the community has not followed a player from as young to NBA stardom as i feel like we have with Lamelo right now yeah the only comparison would be maybe lebron james but again social media wasn't the same back right then, so it's not the same he didn't have a show from the freshman year of his high school right and i think that's a this is a great that's a testament to lavar ball say what you want about lavar ball but look at what he did he is a marketing genius yeah, marketed his brand. kids unbelievably well and look now they're on top yeah two of them two of them Jello is still struggling, but I think he got a G League contract recently, so. Good for him. But. All right. On to our Celtics. Celtics. So. They're rolling. Yeah. Tough loss to the Knicks. Yeah. Tough loss. They didn't look great. Kemba looked pretty rusty in the return, but we're missing Tatum. One game. Tatum will be back. I'm liking what I'm seeing. I'm not worried. I'm not either. Yeah. 
Okay, so I just wanted to bring that up, make sure we're on the same page and that we're still in on the Celtics. Absolutely. 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 All right. One bad game coming yeah. off of, you know, the whole COVID cancellations and everything. We played well against the Magic right off that. So I figured that would have been the game where we would have been rusty, but we were rusty against the Knicks, and that's okay. And it happens. Right. It happens, it especially does. when you're missing your superstar. Right. Exactly. So uh, we touched on it in the emergency pod. James Harden to the Nets. We broke it down for you guys. But now we've seen them play uh, Kevin Durant and James Harden play together a little bit now. Without Kyrie. Without Kai. He looks fantastic. So James they've played Harden. two he games. Looks so good, man. They've played two games and Kevin and uh, excuse me, James Harden in those two games has a combined I think 130 something points they said, which is a record for the most in a with for most for a player with his new team in two games in NBA history. Yeah, he's He's playing ridiculous. Um, and Kevin Durant looks really comfortable with him, too. Um, so I really don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie. I, I said, just to you, I think, that I think they should chip him out, get some depth. Um, but there's going to be people, gonna there's going to be some people who are going to say, no, that's not going to happen, as you just did. Right. And there's going to be people who say, nah, that's not worth it. You want a big three, not a big two. My just argument is you don't want. It's almost inevitable that one of those guys is going to get hurt later in the year. So wouldn't you rather have two and then a bunch of depth when you make that playoff push? I don't know if I would, but I think right now they have a really good chance to win the championship, especially once Kyrie's back. But I don't know. I was I was thinking about a lot that could go wrong with this. But so far, I mean, in, in the first two games, I, I will be the first to raise my hand and say that they look amazing. Yeah, they look fantastic. Just wanted to touch on that. And like we said before, that's always good local. Local team looking good. Yeah, no Nets doubt. haven't looked good in a while, so yeah, it's really good to see. In my opinion, I'm sure you kind of agree. Yeah, I do. All right. Um, another local team, New York Knicks, turning the corner after a three-game losing streak by beating the Celtics. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but one thing I wanted to touch on Knicks of like years past, I feel like they wouldn't have been able to get that win. They wouldn't have been able to turn the corner. Dig deep. And, yeah, they wouldn't be able yeah. to. They d- didn't have that hustle, and I think that totally goes to the whole new culture they've put in into that New York organization. It's Absolutely. Running, running deep. Absolutely. Did you have anything to say about that? No, I mean, it goes without being said, the Knicks are balling. Yeah. Julius Randle looks like he's going to be an all-star and make a case for a max deal after this year. That's a lot. He's making a case, though. I know, I know, and I'm not disagreeing. I think, I, I, think I'm if he's, I think if he's going to stay in New York, he is going to ask for a max contract. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing at right. all. I'm just saying that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. Um, These numbers yeah, deserve that money, I'd he, say. He's looking good. He's looking really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like rejuvenated almost. Yeah. Um. So that's fantastic to see. Yeah, and then quickly seems like to be one of the steals of the draft. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Um, lastly, before we wrap up basketball talk, um, it goes kind of without being said right now, Lakers are still the team to dethrone in the West and the top team, I think. Do do you agree? Yeah. I mean, tough one Monday night for them, blew a big lead against Warriors. Steph played out of his mind. Um, nice little comeback for the Warriors, but yeah, it's one game. And I think once come playoff time, Lakers are going to be the team to beat. I can't see anybody beating them in the Western Conference right now. So yeah, I, I absolutely would say that that's fair. Yeah, I, I agree there. Clips look good too. Yeah, um, of course. Paul George looked good the other night. Had a monster dunk. Remember seeing that pop up on my timeline. Yeah, I like seeing Paul George do well, actually. Yeah, I really do. Uh, yeah. You just don't like seeing players that get paid max contracts do poorly. Right. It's just because you know they're going to get slandered in the media and... One, you don't want that to happen. He got slandered so hard yeah. last year. Everything with the in the bubble, he couldn't shoot for anything. So they yeah. call it the pandemic P thing and everything yeah. like that. I hated that because yeah. I like Paul George. And ever since Paul George had that almost career-ending injury, he's come back and he's playing unbelievable. So like, give him a break. He's yeah. playing really well this year. Yeah. So you, you never want anybody to be slandered like that. I think. Right. No matter if you like Paul George, hate Paul George, um, just it's it's not necessary. That's just the cancel culture we live we live with today, though. I think. <laughs> if you know what I mean, like you have one like terrible game and everyone's like he's done, he's bad. Like everyone's so yeah. quick to do that to jump on you. Yeah, you're right. I I think it's more people just being like you're paying this dude a ridiculous amount of money. He should be performing at a ridiculous level, yeah. at all times. Yep. 
So I'm not agreeing with them. I'm just like, you know, playing de- devil's how, advocate. Almost like that's that's how fans feel. I right. think. Um, I don't get it, but I think that's how they feel. Right. Um. All right. Basketball talk wrapped up. So we got one more little segment for you guys before we get into the big interview that you're all patiently waiting for. Yeah. But we're gonna get into a Klein's corner. We haven't done one in a while. Yeah. It's. I think this is the first one of season two. Yeah, it has to be. Has to be. So, so let's get into it. I'm back with Klein's corner, guys, and I have something to talk about that I know we got some really good feedback on last time. So the UFC. I know we don't talk about it a whole lot, but this weekend is going to be special. We have UFC 257, the notorious Conor McGregor, 22-4-0 and against Dustin Poirier, 16-6-0. Second time these two are facing off, and I got my money on Conor, guys. I, don't, I think he's in the best shape of his life. He's been fair, relatively quiet for Conor McGregor. He's, you know... Since the uh, hasn't fought since the Donald Cerrone, the Cowboy Cerrone fight. So I got Connor. This is going to be big because Khabib recently met with Dana White and said, Right now, I'm not going to commit to anything. I want to see if anything special happens in UFC 257. Then, if I see anything I'm impressed by, maybe I come back. So, Connor. You know, you bring the heat, I'd love to see that again. I'd love to see a rematch. Yeah, you're a big Khabib fan, aren't you? I would not call myself a big Khabib fan. I respect the hell out of Khabib. I, I also know because you were talking about him earlier on your Klein's Corner in the year. Right. So I That just, was with the Gaethje fight, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I just, you, you talked about him a lot, and you said he's one of the best. No, yeah. So I figured you you were a pretty big fan. No, yeah, best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the UFC right now. Yeah. So, so I, I figured you'd like to see that. Right. You like seeing the greats fight. Exactly. Exactly. But I also love McGregor. <laughs> so, um, I'm not a big fan of McGregor. Yeah, I don't blame you. He's, he's, but I, I do like McGregor a lot, actually. Yeah. I used to not be that big of a fan of McGregor. Yeah. And then I don't know. I just he's got some swagger to him, man. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I, I feel you. I, I I can never blame someone for not liking Conor McGregor, but I do I I do like McGregor these days, and I'd love to see him, you know, get some big fights going forward. I know he doesn't like to fight that often, but. Just like none, none of the big guys that are great like to fight that often. Exactly. These days, they but just yeah. like to pick and choose their fights. Yeah. yeah. So, Khabib hasn't vacated his title spot, hasn't committed fully to retiring yet. So that's interesting. So yeah, that's gonna be this weekend UFC two fifty seven. We'll check back in on that as that have some boxing progresses. There is some boxing. Yeah. yeah February. Yep. Yeah. And then. I don't know if anybody saw, but last week on ABC, Max Holloway and Calvin Cater. Holloway absolutely destroyed Cater, which makes you think, you know, Holloway, after that controversial loss to Volkanovski, he wants that title, guys. He deserves it, and he wants it. So I'd love to see, after the next Volkanovski-Ortega title fight, to get Max back in there. So, I'd love to be back in there. I'd love it. Exactly. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I get my ass kicked. Max Holloway. Ah, you said Max Lindley. My bad. So, guys, that was Klein's Corner, and it was great to bring some UFC back. Drop some comments. Shoot some DMs about UFC talk. You want to talk with me about it? Anything? You know I love. I, I eat that shit up. I love talking about that stuff. Yeah, so he loves it. So He loves no it. No doubt. Be sure to follow his personal account, too. He likes giving those sports takes. On my Twitter? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I have actually used Twitter now more than ever yeah. since I started doing the podcast. Yeah, he likes the sports takes. Right. I prefer it on my Instagram story. He prefers it on the Twitter. Right. It is what it is. Next up, we got the main event. Evan had the fortunate opportunity to talk with Dean Darling, the color commentator for Army Football and play-by-play announcer for Marist Basketball. This was a treat just to watch and be a part of. I know Evan feels the same way. So without further ado, let's get the hell into it. We are now happy to be joined by Dean Darling. Dean Darling is the play-by-play commentator of Marist Basketball color commentator, Army football, West Point. Dean, thanks so much for joining us today, man. Thanks, Evan. It's my pleasure. So we're going to get going with the interview a little bit. Um, So we're going to start a little bit with Army. 
um, West Point, you know, move into the mayor stuff a little bit. So you do the color commentary for the Army Football Radio Network. So what's it like for you to be a part of every single game um, that this special team plays? Obviously, West Point, you know, has a tradition of its own, and it's much more than just football in a regular school. Uh, it's been so much fun and, and so much uh, learning through the years. I started way back in 1978, and I just completed my 41st year, and uh, it's an honor to uh, actually meet these young men and, and women in the services and to learn about their life stories and then to partake on Saturday uh, to call their football games. Uh, it's just a great honor. Um, these are true amateur athletes, when you think about it, who have a higher cause once they leave uh, West Point. And for that, I, I always love to follow their stories after leaving West Point because you hear some unbelievable stories. Very successful people have come out of there as well, whether they played football or not played football. But uh, it's, um, it gives you a great sense of pride to represent the U.S. Military Academy in a broadcast venue. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. At, uh, at West Point, it's, it's, something, it's something much more. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, for people that don't know, could you tell us a little bit about the preparation and behind the scenes that goes into jo to the job, the off screen stuff, you know, that people don't get to see? Because obviously, you know, every weekend people, you know, see what's on screen, but it's so much more preparation and everything. Could you go into that a little bit? Oh, sure. Um, a football radio presentation is about six days of work in preparation. Um, it's a labor of love, that's for sure. And what you do is you have to prepare not only for the opponent, but you also have to then update all of your statistics and bio information. I meet with coaches um, now on Zoom calls on Thursdays, the offense and defensive coordinators to talk about Army's upcoming opponent and how its practice has gone this week. And then on Friday, you get to do basically a review. And then on Saturday, that's the candy, I call it. You get to go and do a game. You get to sit at midfield, you get fed, and you get paid. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So, no, it doesn't. Again, it's a labor of love. It's uh, When I was working full-time, I just retired at the end of 19. Um, I would get up at, at 5 in the morning before I went to my regular job, and I would do two hours of prep. And I'd get home at night. And my wife, Suzanne, would have dinner ready, and I get to spend maybe an hour uh, with the family and then put in another four hours. So uh, that's six hours a day times uh, basically five to six days a week. It, it was a full-time job in, in essence. But again, I, I'm like a kid in a candy store when it comes to the game because the, you're rewarded for all the work you did. And, and you get to... Um, you basically get to tell the story of what's going on out there, especially for radio, because you have to paint the picture for radio. Absolutely. Radio and TV has to be, it's a completely different game. It is. And I've done both. And it's uh, challenging uh, to go from radio. I've actually done them in the same day. Uh, to go from a radio call to a play-by-play -play call. Now, I do color analyst work for the radio, but then I do play-by-play -play on TV. Those are two different animals. Absolutely. So you actually don't want to overspeak when you're doing a TV game. I mean, you don't want to insult the consumer. They're actually seeing anything that's in front of them. So, and on radio, you really got to be precise. And in doing color, um, you basically have to recount the play. And my job's actually gotten more challenging over the last few years because everybody wants, number one, runs a spread offense other than the service academies. And they don't huddle anymore. So I, back in the day, I would have a good 25 to 40 seconds of time to be concise in my reporting, but now it's probably 10 seconds to be wow. able to recount the previous play, then let the play-by-play -play guy, Rich DeMarco at Army now, set up the formations and the defensive changes. So that's been a change in my type of uh, sports broadcasting. Absolutely. Yeah, so... So obviously, so you said you re you recently retired and, you know, already announcing is like a full-time job on top of your other full-time job. So now it's like you only got one full-time job yeah. and, going on. And you know what I like about it, Evan, is that I can prepare during the day now where I used to have to get up, like I said, early in the mornings and then spend late nights. Now I've got a lot of time to prepare and it actually helps to broadcast more because you have more time to research things. 
Right. Yeah. And the way that an athlete prepares during the week, you know, it's, it's the same thing with any, any job. Absolutely. Um, one thing I've always kind of wondered about broadcasting is, so you see there's, you know, there's like a Dick Vitale of, of the world and there's former player, a lot of former players get in there and stuff. What's the difference? Like how does somebody get to the top? Is it all connections to be like announcing the big games versus like D3 games? Like, like what's the, what's the, the catalyst there to be able to get to the top in, in that kind of field versus like maybe like more of D3 or something not as much. And does playing, playing the sport professionally yeah. give you an advantage? I think probably these days it's harder than ever to, to break into the business if you're a non-athlete. I think you have to have a strong resume. Um, a lot of people have asked me, well, how do you get started these days? And you basically have to start out with minor league baseball. If you really want to become a full-time announcer in any sport, you have to cut your teeth. Yeah, a lot of times you have to do be a one-man band. You have to do both the play-by-play and the color and travel on buses and minor league uh, towns and things of that nature. That's how you get started. I was fortunate. Um, I got to do division three basketball in college for two years. I went to Fredonia state out West of Buffalo. And um, actually we were called the blue devils and I got to do all those games. I built up a resume tape to do those games. I was a DJ when I first got out of school and I didn't want to be a DJ, but I knew that was my foot in the door to get to do some sports. So what happened was um, they were doing army football and they were doing army basketball. And this was way back in 1977. And I had to engineer the games back at the uh, studio. And it was tough for me because I wanted to do the play-by-play, but the news director was actually doing the play-by-play. Turns out that he ended up leaving the next year and I got to do army West Point basketball. That was my first, entrance into West Point sports. You might know the name of the coach. His name was Mike Krzyzewski. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I thought I knew a lot about basketball and I knew about that much once I met Coach K. And, you know, he took me under his wing. I got to spend three glorious years with him. And they had good teams back then. And I learned so much about it. And he'd have me come to the team meetings. I would chaperone the team on the road. And he would write me the nicest letter at the end of every season and saying how his team his coaches respected my work habits, how they saw on the road, especially how hard I worked the game. So I was very fortunate. And then that turned into, again, I was a DJ part-time and they came to me the next summer and they said, we want you to do army football. And I automatically said no, because I had never done color football and I didn't have the confidence and I was young. They come back the second day, they go, and I was the morning man. They go, put on a long record. This is the ownership of the radio station. And actually, the one owner was the play-by-play guy for Army football. And he said, we want you to do color on Army football. We've talked to West Point. They want you to do it. And again, I said, no. (laughs) Third day, they come back. I go, I know, put on a long record. And they said, here's the deal. If you don't do the football, we're taking away basketball because we're going to find a guy that can do both. Well, my decision obviously was made right there. that summer I boned up on football as much as I could because I knew it from a play-by-play standpoint from that end, but not color. And here I am 41 years later, still doing it, kind of found my own niche. Definitely, yeah. You're a Hudson Valley guy, so fits the script, uh, you know, Marist, Army, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and then I was obviously parlayed that into Marist when they went Division One, and I started in radio. And then uh, the next year, we dove right into TV. We're on cable TV. We're on tape delay. And there was a gentleman named Rick Smith that actually started that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know what? I had the best of both worlds. I was doing Army football on the radio and doing Marist on TV and radio. Absolutely. So, um, segueing into the next thing a little bit. So, Army Navy, you know, big, one of the biggest rivalries in college sports. What's that experience like? Has to be unbelievable. So 41 times I've done the game, right, Evan? And 41 times I've gotten chills up my spine just before the game. The march on always gets me. So what the march on is, that's the two cores, and they come out 4,400 strong about uh, two hours before the game. And then they, they perform, basically, in their march and all their activity, and then they yell, go Army or go Navy, and, and the crowd goes nuts. And talk about feeling patriotic. It's unbelievable. Then somebody sings God Bless America. It's just like, you can't believe really what's going on. And then the game. 
starts. And the first time I did an Army-Navy game was uh, 1978. It was 4 p.m. game. It was like December the 10th at the old uh, JFK Stadium in Philadelphia, which was adjacent to where they built Veterans Stadium. So <laughs> the play-by-play -play guy says, Dean, um, we got to bring our own light bulbs. I go, what? <laughs> we got to bring our own light bulbs. Got to bring light bulbs to screw into this press box. And it was cold. It was so cold. Basically a wooden press box. Oh, man. Four o'clock game against uh, Navy. And it was so much fun. And after that, we ended up doing them at uh, Veterans Stadium. And I've been fortunate to do games, at, uh, you know, down in Baltimore, down in T, where the Redskins play, the Army-Navy game, and Giants Stadium. And it never gets old. Ever. And this year, was, this year was brutal. There was a big thing. A fog came in and sat right over the stadium just as the game was to kick off. And it was about eye level. We're way up in the press box. So I'm uh, six floors up. And it basically took away our play-by-play -play guy, Rich DeMarco's, in my view. And then I also noticed that CBS cameras, they started using all their low cameras throughout the game. So we'd have to look at the TV monitor, especially when there was a punt, because a punt would go up in the clouds, and Navy was wearing white, which made it worse. Mm. And punt would go up, and you had no idea where it was. The only way you knew, because the punt returner, he couldn't return it because he couldn't find it. The only way you found out was where the official was marking the ball at the end of it. So... I've been through all kinds of extremes, snowstorms in Philadelphia, rainstorms, hailstorms, wind. I've had a, done a 3-3 game. I've done blowouts. I've done tight games. The best memories ever, 92 to 96. Five Army wins by a total of 10 points. Everything decided on the final possession of that game. Oh, yeah. Love to see it. And, uh, honestly, yeah. and this year, it's, it's almost the icing on the cake with the COVID year and everything. Couldn't do it at Lincoln Financial. Had to do it at West Point and then all, everything else with the, the fog. I remember that day. Crazy day. So, and crazy. It was a great game, too. Yeah, we actually got to do Navy on December 12th. And then Air Force came in on the 19th and played at Mikey Stadium. Army won it with a minute left. But that game had been moved because of COVID. That was supposed to be played back in early November. So, it will never, ever happen again where you get Navy and Air Force playing back-to-back -back in weeks in December at Mikey Stadium. It just won't happen again. Right. Right. So moving on into um, the basketball a little bit. So play-by-play -play announcer, Marist Basketball, ESPN Plus, you can find it, ESPN, all that good stuff. So do you, what are the differences you find in how you personally approach football and basketball, TV versus radio? I think I touched on it. You, you basically got to zip your lip a little bit on basketball. Um, you work on background material, you tell stories, you talk to coaches. Just had an interesting weekend. The Fairfield coach, they played uh, Marist in a double dip. Uh, we talked to him. He went to Marist. He's a 86 graduate and played lacrosse at Marist. So I said, hey, did you ever want to play basketball here? He goes, I wasn't good enough, but I'll tell you what. He goes, I would go and retrieve balls. I would re rebound for all the shooters. He got to know Smiths, Drafton Davis, all those guys. He goes, yeah, my senior year, I didn't have to take many credits. He goes, but I was a gym rat. And just stories like that, you could tell. And uh, he told another great story I told on the air. He's got this good guard, uh, Jesus Cruz. And he said, Jesus Cruz is the kind of guy that walks into the Y at noon, and he's wearing those tall black socks up to his knees. <laughs> so nobody picks him, right? And he right. drops 45 in an hour in a pickup game. <laughs> So you That's tell stories like that, and you have to have great communication with your partner. And I've had some great ones over the years, that's for sure. No doubt. So um, you touched a little bit on it earlier about how you had the chance to work closely with Coach K during your time at West Point, which I'm sure is just, that's just unbelievable, once-in-a-lifetime experience. Yeah. And then also Mike Breen at Marist, obviously one of the biggest voices of NBA basketball. Um, you touched a little bit on a story about Coach K, but Breen as well. You know, any cool stories about either of those guys? Oh, I got some cool stories for you, Evan. Yeah. Uh, our first game together. So he was my color commentator. Turns out he ends up being a play-by-play -play guy, which I think is ironic. So it's November of 85. Marist is playing a Division three school, Suffolk, at, down out of, I think out of, I think they're in New England. And they're counting us in. And we didn't wear earpieces then or anything. They used the old hands, five, four, you're coming on camera. Well, actually, they would start at 10. Breen goes to me at about this count of seven. He goes, I, I don't feel so good. 
So I say, Green, suck it up, man. You're, this is it. <laughs> and we ended up doing five years together. And we had wonderful times. We got a chance to go on Sports Channel together and do a Marist uh, Fairly Dickinson game. And, and it was so much fun because you had Smits there and Marist was winning. And uh, we had just great times together. Mike Green, he was a character, man. We'd be on the road together, and uh, he'd go in the corner, and he'd do 100 sit-ups. You know, and we're both <laughs> young then. And then he'd get up, and he'd go, okay, let's get some room service. And I'd go, room it's 10 o'clock at night. And we get brownies and ice cream delivered to our <laughs> room. So uh, I stay in touch with him. He's, uh, he's a good friend. I'm so happy for him. He's been so good to me at times. It just my phone will blow up sometimes because he'll mention me on the air. And he'll talk about his roots and how he started. And uh, that's been really nice to hear. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm a firm believer. You know, there's not many better calls in sports than a Mike Breen bang, you know? Yes. A yeah. Bosch to Allen bang, you know? Yes, that's for sure. And he, um, he's got a unique style. Uh, he went to Fordham. Uh, his roommate was Michael Kay from the Yankees. And Michael Kay originally started writing for the Daily News. And then he got the chance to do the Yankees radio. And then... TV. So um, Mike loves Hubie Brown. I, when I was talking to him uh, back in April, when obviously we had nothing to do because of the pandemic, uh, he, he just, he loved to hear stories about uh, Hubie Brown, how he still prepares in his 80s for a game. And, and, you know, and I asked him about all the other guys he works with. And, you know, he said, Dean, they're just like regular guys like you and me. He goes, we're, we're just on a, you know, a bigger platform. That's all. Absolutely. So moving into the next thing a little bit, 1986 Marist men's basketball made it to March Madness. And, you know, you got to go to, with the team. Could you tell us a little bit about that once in a lifetime experience? So um, I was uh, got the lucky chance to be asked to go down there. So I was actually working for cable TV. Then I was actually a salesperson, but they said, Hey, if you're going down there, can you do some reports? So I said, sure. So I got invited to go with the Marist party. We're going to play at LSU, Baton Rouge. And we get the flight out of LaGuardia. And we stop in Georgia. I'm like, why are we stopping? We pick up Georgia Tech on our same flight down there. So here comes, here comes Mark Price on, on our plane. Here comes Jerome, Sally, uh, Bruce Dalrymple. We're going to play these guys like in two days. So went to the game and Smith's is a sophomore and Maris goes up in the game. It's like, we're supposed to get blown out by 30. Georgia tech is favored to win the region. I think they're number six in the country at the time, something like that. And all of a sudden the official blows two fouls on Smith's and sits them down And the game was nip and tuck the entire game. We ended up having to foul at the end and blah, 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 blah. And ended up losing by 13. Actually, I thought it was less, but I had Jack, my son, look it up today. We, we ended up losing the game. But what a great spectacle being there. And how the home crowd, I can't remember who the next game was, just turned on Georgia Tech and was rooting hard for Maris. They wanted Maris to win that game because we were the true number 16 seed going into that game against the right. number one seed. So right. that's a great memory. Then in 87, Maris had had a great year. And they ended up playing Pitt out in Tucson. And I got invited to go out there again. And that was uh, a great experience. Not, not for the game. They got drilled by 30. And Jerome Lane threw down this dunk on top of Smith's head. I'll never forget it. It was just like he posterized him. Mm. But it was so much fun just to be able to go there. And I didn't even really work the games. I did some television reports. But it's fortunate enough to go and, and, and hang out and, and get the environment of what an NCAA tournament's like. Absolutely. All those places you've been, you have a favorite, a favorite venue, favorite place that you've ever gotten to call a game? You know, I've, uh, for football, I've done games at Ohio State and Michigan. I mean, that takes your breath away. The big house. The big house. Um, been to Notre Dame four times and did games. The first time at Notre Dame, we always go in on a Friday, the day before the game. You charter with the team out of Newburgh when, uh, with Army. So we get there, and we always go right to the stadium to set up. And then, uh, so I said, well, i got to go down the field. It was so ironic to go down and stand at midfield by yourself, basically. And you were looking for a touchdown Jesus, obviously, in the one end zone. 
and it was like, you know, this place, it's no great shakes. It's wooden bleachers. It's kind of beat up. It's old. And then 24 hours later, you're doing the Army Notre Dame game. The place, 80,000 people going nuts, and it's magical. It's magical. So those are great memories. Being able to do games at Giants Stadium, unbelievable. Um, doing the Army-Navy game down in Washington, you know, seeing presidents come in and out. It, it's been a good life, that's for sure. And I've been to a lot of places and got to meet a lot of really cool people. I interviewed Bill Parcells, Bobby Knight. Uh, Coach, <laughs> Coach Krzyzewski says to me, we're at a cocktail party before the Hoosier Classic. We're going to play uh, Washington State. And Indiana's going to play, I think it was Davidson. So we're at a cocktail party. He says, you want to meet Coach Knight? Yeah. <laughs> so we ended up going to Coach Knight's house afterwards. Oh, man. Yeah. How about that? That's insane. And so then, you know, and then, oh, so Coach Knight wasn't talked to the media that year. Something had happened up at the Alaska shootout with his team. He wouldn't talk. Coach K says to Coach Knight, hey, would you go on with Dean at halftime of uh, our game? He goes, Ow. sure. Well, there at a Assembly Hall, that it was like you sat in the second row of the bleachers to broadcast the game. And at halftime, here comes Coach Knight sauntering over and sits down to me at my little broadcast location and interviews him. And all the hordes of uh, you know media from Indianapolis and Chicago, they all tried to asked me afterwards, what did he say? Well, I knew obviously what question not to ask. I didn't ask him about what happened in the Alaska shootout. And obviously we talked about the career of Mike Krzyzewski because he had played under him right. uh, just years before that. So that was a real treat. And then to interview Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells had gotten out of football, if you recall, for a couple of years. He had a heart condition and he was doing some TV work for NBC. Well, he was on the staff of one of my co-announcers, Tom Cahill at West Point. That's how he got to know Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight was the basketball coach at Army. Parcells was an assistant football coach under my buddy, Tom Cahill. So Cahill says to me, we go into the Meadowlands one year. The Giants are out practicing. It's a Saturday. We're going to play, I think, Notre Dame. And they're going to fly to Kansas City. So he says, hey, you want to meet Coach Parcells? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> coach Parcells, he yells over to him. Coach Parcells comes over and gives and calls him coach, Coach Cahill, a bear hug. And then we ended up talking. And then the next year, he comes up to West Point. He just came to watch a game. So we interviewed him at halftime. That's awesome. Parcells, I think he's a Bergen County guy. He is. He's yeah. a, River, he, River, I think he went to Riverdale. He's a Jersey guy. Yep. And then he had a place down at the shore, too. Um, can't think of the name of the town. Not Point Pleasant. One of those places, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. No, it's awesome to see, you know, even 41 years later, you know, you could tell the fan in you, you know, you still love it. You know, that's just, it's, it's really awesome to see, you know, someone who just has like such appreciation for the games and um, the stories that you live to tell are, are really awesome. Um, Dean, I want to thank you so much again for coming on the podcast today. This was an amazing experience and, you know, um, I will say I do love listening to your uh, the Maris broadcast, the Army broadcast. You have a great call. So uh, I thank just you, Evan. Thank I you appreciate for, that. It's been an honor to uh, spend a little time with you today. Awesome. All right. Thanks. All right, buddy. Welcome back from the Dean Darling interview. Oh, man, Max. That was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, just an unbelievable guy. And that was, you know, it was a real honor, Dean. And just can't thank you enough for coming on the show. As always. Um, the interviews are always fun. It's really interesting. I I don't think we've heard stories like this before. I kind of touched on it earlier, but we we haven't heard someone tell us forty years worth of Army Navy stories. Yeah, that that's special, no doubt. So and dude, just like Coach K back yeah. when he was with Army before Duke was even a thought. Like <sighs> that's crazy. The stories, you know, no doubt. Yeah. So, so that was really cool for us, guys. thank you again. And I hope you guys enjoyed it because as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Yeah, so. absolutely. So we got still a whole episode left. Yeah. Let's finish this baby up. Starting off with Bye Bye Breeze. Breeze looked like shit. He did. <laughs> when hey, they pay, need... pay your specs. No. When they needed a play, who'd they turn to? They turned to Jameis fucking Winston. They didn't turn to Drew Brees that with the, on the flea flicker. They turned to Jameis Winston. It, it's, I said it all year, 
and it seemed like it finally came true this game. Like, Drew's arm is shot. And he really just cannot compete at the level that he wants to anymore. And yeah, I feel bad because he once was an elite player, but I was pissed off with everybody talking about him last year and this year that he, he's still up there. No, he's not. He's got a great team around them. He's not, he's not elite. Um, so, welcome to the bench, Drew. We're glad to have you. Max, what? pay some respect on that man's name. He's an all-time great. Yeah, he's done. I think he's done, but I don't know. Don't shit on Drew Brees. He's a good guy. Don't shit on him. Just happy he's retired. Had a bad game. Had a bad season. Yeah. But, you know, Buccaneers and Tom Brady should be a good one next week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, one thing I'd also like to add, Michael Thomas. Pretty sure he was shut out. Yeah, he was. I, I guess That's he should change his Twitter to at Ken Guard Mike. <laughs> like... Can't guard Mike. Yeah. Like, guard come Mike. on, man! You can't be like considered the top receiver in the league, and uh, get shut out <laughs> in a game like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like the Bucks. And this is no disrespect to the Bucks secondary, the Bucks D. They're not well known for being like an elite secondary. It's not like he's going up against the top corner in the league. Yeah, I mean, no, but the, Carlton Davis did a oh, phenomenal. He job. played fantastic. I was so impressed. Like that's Win- why I said no shitting yeah. on the Bucks D. They played fantastic. Yeah, I love Winfield. As a team, collectively, they got a pretty good defense. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and their backers are great. It's a young defense too. Yeah, yeah. Devin White, Levante David, fantastic. Yeah, they played really well. I was really impressed with them. Murphy bunting. Um, but yes, I, Evan, you're right. Bye, Breeze. Respect to you. Enjoy retirement. I hope I don't have to listen to you call games. You're talking about the all-time yards leader right now. Brady will pass him. Fair enough. All right, next up, NFC, AFC championship breakdown. Evan's going to break down the NFC game. I'm going to break down the AFC one. Evan, let's get it started. 305 Fox. 305 Fox. We got Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. So, what we're looking for here, I think the Packers are going to be favored. Um, you know, their play has spoken for itself. What more needs to be said? I mean, Rodgers is the, you know, I I'll, I think the MVP of this year. Undisputed. Undisputed. Yep. Going up against Brady, the comeback kid. Yep. So, I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. I think it's going to be a one-score game, super close. Um, and I think, you know, Brady's going to keep it close. I think Aaron Rodgers will be in the driver's seat of that game. But, you know, Brady's going to stay with him. And, you know, late in the game, that's when Brady likes to strike. So yeah. so I really think it's going to be a great one. You know, I think the firepower of Green Bay is hard to stop. And Tampa Bay needs to – their defense needs to be at their absolute best. Yeah, they got their hands full. They with, do. Uh, Green Bay. Absolutely. Just another thing I'd like to add. This is Rodgers' first NFC championship at Lambeau Field. So that's a little advantage there. Hasn't hosted one yet. Hopefully he can pull through in this one. Um, yeah, so that's the NFC Championship game. Thanks for breaking that down, Klein. My pleasure. Yeah. Next up, AFC Championship game. We got the Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs. This one's at 6.40 p.m. Eastern, and it's on CBS. So this one's up in the air right now because Mahomes, as we saw last weekend, got hit. On the neck is what the media is saying. Looked like it was a concussion. We don't know, though. He's in concussion protocol. It's Tuesday. This podcast comes out on Thursday. So we don't really know the status of Patrick Mahomes. Right. So that's really up in the air. And that would dictate the entire game. Yeah. I'd I'd imagine. Yeah, I think so. Um, (laughs) Anything is possible, but maybe not anything. (laughs) Shout Shout out Chad Henney. Yeah. All right, um, but what we can talk about is the Buffalo Bills. They steamrolled the Ravens last week. Yep, everything that could have gone wrong for the Ravens kind of did. Yeah, that pick if they didn't, if they scored instead of through that pick, that's a whole different game. Yeah, the Buffalo the Justin Bills Tucker missed two field goals within forty. Like yeah. that just doesn't happen usually. That He's wind, the man. most accurate kicker. That in Buffalo NFL wind. History. Yeah, that Buffalo wind he hit true. the bar twice. It's true. You're right. Damn. Sucks for the Ravens. They'll come back next year, though. 
Yeah, Lamarche will be stronger than ever, I'd imagine. Yeah, released Mark Ingram just the other day. I don't know if you saw, but the Bills Mafia, after Lamar got hurt and everything, they like they all donated to Lamar's charity that yeah. he has. Which Lamar's is, charity gives backpacks shit, Shout out to, to Bills Mafia. Yeah. That's Bills just Mafia, best fan class base. Class act. Best fan base. It's a class act right there. Yeah, Respect. Class act. Shout out to the 716, my my, uh, my town, you know. Yeah, 716. Shouts. All right. Championship pick'em. Let's get into it. Absolutely. Today's pick'em is presented to you by... Advanced Office Furniture. Since 2003, Advanced Office Furniture has been providing the New York metro area with the highest quality custom furniture. All the furniture is produced in their state-of-the-art manufacturing facility here in New Jersey and never outsourced. Your business is unique, so why don't you choose to furnish it with specialty furniture that is built to last. With high-quality, customized solutions, no matter what your needs are, Advanced Office Furniture will surely exceed your standards. During the COVID pandemic, many people have moved to a home office. Do not worry. Advanced Office Furniture has you covered. Find more at www.advancedofficefurniture.com. Yes, sir. Shout out them. Shout out them. Thank you, Advanced Office Furniture, for uh, supporting us. Absolutely. Appreciate you. So, I have something to say. Yeah. So, the pick'em score right now is 16 to 11 me. Yeah. So, and there's these two games and then the Super Bowl. So, there's three games left. I was thinking Super Bowl, we could do a ton of prop picks. Because you know how there's a million prop picks in the Super Bowl. Oh, does that have anything to do with the fact that if you won these no, two and the Super the Bowl, that I would still win? No, it has to do with the fact we're not done with the season yet. We still got five or so more episodes left. Guys, it sounds like... Season finale is when we do it. Guys, it sounds like somebody... Sounds like Klein's scared that I'm going to come back. I'm absolutely not scared. You're on for whatever you want, but it just shows I'm up 16 to 11. And you're not willing to just take the L already. Because I want to give the viewers a real shot at competition. Hey, guys, by the way, I saw, you know, on Max's uh, personal account how he put that. Or was it the washed up account? It was the washed up account. Okay, it was the washed up account. He said, who do you think is going to win the pick em? What percent of people shows me? 67. Y'all are tripping. You're tripping. not tripping. I'm the comeback kid. If we were to end it after the Super Bowl, theoretically, as of right now, you would have no chance at winning. Zero percent. But we're not. Yeah. Because we didn't say that at the beginning of the season. We didn't we say did. what you're doing either, but fine, I'll do it your way because so why, I'm not... so why should we so why should we do it your way? Because I figured we were going through the Super Bowl. I thought we said something about that, but it's yeah, fine but... because I'm not afraid of you. Right, and I cool. know no matter what, right, I'm gonna you're win. You're about to get your ass kicked. No, I'm not. You're gonna be the one in the Oscar the Grouch costume in the episode. Hell no, that's you, buddy. Alright, let's get into it. Pick 'em score, sixteen to eleven. Evan is beating me. Uh, oh yeah, and by the way, during the mini pod, if you guys heard, we did that Devils Bruins bet to add one to the pick'em, and my Devils in overtime with 1.7 seconds left. Yegor Sharangovich with the game winner. Yep. All right, moving on. We got Bills at Chiefs. Evan, I'm picking the Bills in this one. I'm sticking with my Buffalo boys and Josh Allen. I think if Mahomes plays, the Chiefs win. I don't. I don't think it matters. Hmm. Seven one six. I love you, but I think. Oh fuck. He's conflicted. I'm taking the Buffalo Bills. I'm not letting you back in this. I think they're gonna win, and I don't think Mahomes is gonna play. I think it's too soon after the concussion. I was indecisive he for a second. He doesn't have guys. a concussion, bro. I was indecisive at first, but I'm taking the Bills. Let's go. I'm taking the Bills too. All right. Next game. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Green Bay Packers. What do you think is going to happen? Evan? You know, you're so confident in your little prop bet picks for the Super Bowl that you're going to make a comeback, but I don't think you are going to make a comeback. So I'm taking the MVP, Aaron Rodgers, at home. Even though I love you, Tom Brady, I think I would love to see you win your seventh Super Bowl, but I got the Packers because I think it's just going to be too much firepower at home. I really do. I'm conflicted. I'm very conflicted. The last time Tom Brady played in the championship game on the road against the MVP, he won, went to the Super Bowl, and won that Super Bowl for his sixth ring. So I'm conflicted, Evan. Well, the thing is, I hope Tom Brady and the Buccaneers win the game because I I like Tom Brady. But 
I think the Packers are going to win. But I, if I know anything as a Patriots fan, I love the people who would always be like, he has no chance, they're not going to win, and Brady proves the haters wrong. So you do with that what you will. But Tom Brady's going to come through and get the W. And the Buccaneers are going to beat the Green Bay Packers and go on to play the Buffalo Bills in a rematch of the AFC East of 2019. Tom Brady versus Josh Allen in the Super Bowl. Love to hear it. I love how you're getting, like, I thought you were going to take the Packers. Nope. I could sense it. And you were getting, like, a little desperate because your pick em nope, score is so desperate. garbage. Not desperate at all. I just desperate. didn't think you were going to take the Packers. Desperate. <laughs> You sound like Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> I mean, guys, this is this is coming down to the wire. It's gonna be electric. Max and I have like some beef going on over this pick on stuff right now. So I beat the shit out of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually, but uh, so yeah. So Max thinks he can beat the shit out of me, <laughs> but anyways, we're just goofing off. So. Guys, this episode was so much fun. It really was. It really was. This was one of my favorites. You know, that interview, guys, I, I put something on Instagram. Um, I don't want to, you know, run the time too long, but I put something on my Instagram. That interview was everything that I love about podcasting. Yeah. I thought that kind of brought out everything about, like, the reasons why podcasting is fun for me. And the interviews are my favorite part, I definitely say. Um, just to get to hear other people's point of views and experiences about you know the games, especially people who are you know involved that are f- firsthand involved. So yeah. it was just so awesome. So again, um, special thank great, you. Yeah, that was a great interview. Thank you, Dean. Great episode. Appreciate you, Dean. Absolutely. Living legend. Absolutely. Follow the Instagram. Subscribe to the YouTube. Evan, I need you to yell at them. Follow oh, the Instagram. Subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube. YouTube. Okay, by the way, YouTube-only subscriber giveaway soon. On the freaking way. Expect it next week. All right? Expect it next week. Other giveaways are being on the way. Are being on the way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, other giveaways on the way. Um, Yeah, so make sure you hit that subscribe button. A new podcast coming out every Thursday. Order some t-shirts. All right. Um, that's it. Bless! Bless him!